one of the most known church fathers of church history, St. Augustine, once said that the New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed. And the Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed. This is a key to understanding the history and the story of God. That God prepared the earth for the arrival of the new covenant which was established and ratified in the blood of namely one, his name, Jesus Christ. And before Jesus comes through the virgin womb of a young lady named Mary, God marinated the earth in the promise and the prophecy of the coming of Jesus Christ. He was too awesome just to show up out of nowhere. He was too incredible just to show up unannounced. So thousands of years before he was born, God begins to show us commercials of what is to come. In fact, you do not have to look throughout the Old Testament very far before you find the promise and the prophecy of the coming of the Lord. He did not wait longer than the sin of man to declare in the garden that there is coming. This is Genesis chapter 3, thousands of years before Jesus was ever born. God prophesies the uh, proto-evangelium, which is the first testimony of the coming of Jesus. He says that there's coming one through the seed of a woman, and he will bruise his heel, but only in the process of crushing the head of the serpent was a prophecy about Jesus. If you know where to look in the Old Testament, you can find a picture of Jesus revealed in the New. The New Testament shows what he is about. It shows the manifestation, the tangible person of God in flesh. But if you know where to look in the Old Testament, you can find him in the Old Testament as well. In fact, if you want to really know how to find Jesus, God gives the Israel-like people seven feasts or festivals. I'm not going to go into a long Perry Stone series on this today. But there are seven feasts, seven festivals in the Old Testament. All of them were a type and shadow of the person and work of Jesus Christ who would come and fulfill the prophetic testimony, the prophetic, uh, 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 the prophetic announcement that he was on the way. If you want to see Jesus in the Old Testament, you can go over to Leviticus chapter 23 where we are told about the feast of Passover. You know the story. The death angel was coming through and before the death angel could come through and kill all the firstborn, God told Moses, take the blood of the lamb. Put the blood of the lamb on your doorpost and even though I'm going to visit Egypt with a death angel, if I see the blood of the lamb, I will cause the death angel to pass over. Aren't you still thankful that even right now in 2019 that the blood of Jesus has so much power that it is still causing death angels to pass over your life? I can stop there, but the Feast of Unleavened Bread reminds us that when Israel was leaving Egypt, they left with such haste and in such uh, quickness that they didn't even get to put yeast in their bread. The bread that they would eat on their way out of Egypt, they didn't even get to put yeast in the bread. The bread didn't even have time to get yeasted and rise, so the Bible calls it the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And you might say, where is Jesus in that feast, Pastor? Well, I want to tell you that when the 
pass when when the when the feast of unleavened bread is taken it reminds us that there was no yeast in the lump they partook of and when I flip over to the book of John the seventh chapter I am told that Jesus is the loaf of bread that came down from God out of heaven and when Nathaniel saw him he looked at him and said behold an Israelite in who there is no guile what he was saying is I've looked him up and down and there is no yeast no leaven there is no sin in his life every time they eat that feast of unleavened bread it is a reminder that he was the lamb of God perfect and sinless spotless and without blemish and I don't know about you but he's still the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the whole world I could talk to you about the feast of first fruits, the feast of first fruits, and this is given to us in Leviticus 23, verse 10, one of the three Jewish harvest feasts to thank and honor God for all he provided. Although they didn't know it at the time, the children of Israel were celebrating. Every time they celebrated first fruits, they were celebrating what would become a very important day. The priests sacrificed Passover lamb on the 14th day of the month of Nisan. The first day of Passover was the 15th, the feast of fruit was celebrated the third day, the 16th of Nisan. Why is that feast significant? Because the third day celebration was the same day that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 20, Paul called Jesus the first fruit of many brethren, which means this, if Jesus rose the third day from his tomb because he rose, I got up with him and now every time I celebrate his arrival and his resurrection. It reminds me that I have found the newness of life in Christ. Can somebody praise him in here today? And then I can keep going. The fourth feast is the Feast of Pentecost, the second of the three feasts of harvest. It, it occurs exactly seven weeks after the Feast of First Fruits, and it is called the Feast of Pentecost, which means 50 days. And traditionally, people were expected to bring the first harvest of grain to the Lord, including two leavened loaves of bread. And when they celebrated in the Old Testament the Feast of Pentecost, and they brought the two loaves of bread together and clapped them before the Lord, and they celebrated the intaking of harvest. It it is not ironic or coincidental that when the day of Pentecost had fully come in Acts chapter 2, on that day of Pentecost there was an initial harvest of 3,000 souls which made the announcement that this move of God that was started in the Old Covenant in an Old Testament feast was really a prophetic declaration of what would come in the New Covenant after the people of God had wandered out of that upper room under the influence of the Holy Ghost and people said these men are drunk as you've uh, seen it but the ninth hour of day they looked drunk and Peter stood up and said they are not drunk as you suppose being it but the ninth hour of the day but this is that which was spoken of the prophet Joel that in the last day I would pour my spirit out up on all flesh and there on the day of Pentecost two leaven loaves the Jew and the Gentile came together in the streets of Jerusalem and three thousand people were harvested into the kingdom of God but that that's just the fourth feast. The fifth feast was the feast of trumpets and the beautiful declaration God commands his people to rest. During this time all regular work was prohibited and men and women present a food offering to God. In Leviticus 23 verse 24 God commands his people to gather and to commemorate the decree with trumpet blast. 
on the same front, the sound of a trumpet is also associated in the New Testament with another kind of arrival. It was the arrival of Jesus Christ, who according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 52, the Bible said, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump shall sound, the dead in Christ shall rise, and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. I want you to know right now I'll preach the kingdom to the day I die, but I still believe in the rapture of the church. I believe the Lord is coming again. I believe the Lord is going to descend from the east with a shout and the voice of an archangel. And just like they testified of his coming in the Old Testament with the Feast of Trumpets, I believe that Jesus is coming back to earth again. Can you say amen? The sixth is the day of atonement. The seventh is the Feast of Tabernacles or Booths. I could go into all this, but what I'm trying to get you to see is that if you really want to see Jesus, who was preached and proclaimed and delivered to the saints once and for all in the New Testament, you can find him in the Old Testament. He's there if you know where to look. But not only is Jesus in the Old Testament, you and I are in the Old Testament. Huh. Everywhere you see the word temple in the Old Testament, you could extract temple and put your name. Because Paul would tell us, we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. When God got ready to give the temple in the Old Testament, what he was literally doing was showing us what it would look like when we showed up as the people of God in the New Covenant. For in the Old Testament, there is not just one building that created the temple. There were three separate courts that constituted the temple. There was the outer court. There was the inner court. There was the Holy of Holies. It was the outer court that everyone saw. It was the inner court that was yet more restricted for certain few. And then just beyond the veil of the inner court was the Holy of Holies. And behind that thick veil was the presence and ark of the covenant. There was no light bulb, no fire in the holy of holies for the only light necessary in that dark room was the illuminating, revelating power of almighty God there between the cherubim wings of the mercy seat. God said that is where I'm going to meet with my people. Every time you see the temple in the Old Testament and you see the outer court, the inner court and the holy of holies, God was reminding us, rather showing us and prophesying our arrival when we would come as an outer court that contained an inner court and inwardly possessed a holy of holies. For in the outer court, I am flesh. In my inner court, I am soul. But beyond my soul and my outer court is my spirit. And it is there in my spirit where I commune with God. I might let you into the presence of my flesh. You might even know a bit about my personality and my soul. But when it comes to communing with God, I do not commune with him through my body, my fingers, or my flesh. I'm not even able to really commune in him with my soul, but it is my born-again spirit in which he has ripped the veil away and allowed my spirit to come into the holy place and stand in the presence of the Lord. It is precisely why I do not have to buy a ticket to go find the move of God. I never have to go chase the move of God. I do not have to get on a bus and drive to a move of God. I am a walking, living, breathing, moving miracle. I am a portable move of God. 
God. Everywhere you go, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You're not just the temple of the Holy Ghost sitting up in this house with your cute polo shirt and your nice Estee Lauder perfume. You are a moving move of God every time you walk through the frozen food aisle at Walmart. And when you walk through your job, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And I say, let the Holy Ghost have his way. I'm already halfway through. But I come to tell you, not only can you find the temple in the Old Testament, if you know where to look, you can find the Holy Ghost. We call them emblems of the Spirit. Yes, if you want to find the Spirit in the Old Testament, you have to look no further than the Ark of Noah. Oh, yes. After the floody waters of judgment covered the earth, the Bible said that a raven was released from the ark and the raven never returned. But the Bible said that Noah released a dove from the ark. And when the dove was released, the dove brought back an olive branch, letting Noah know that there is some life left on the planet and that although judgment came, God ain't finished yet. Lord, I wish I had time to preach. So the Bible said that when Noah allowed the dove to come back in the boat and he took the, the branch from the dove's mouth. He sent the dove out again and the dove never returned. And you might think that that means the Holy Ghost never returned. In fact, I couldn't find the dove in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. I looked through Judges and Samuel and Kings and Chronicles. I even looked for the dove in Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Malachi. I couldn't find the dove anywhere else. Oh, but when the Lamb of God came up out of the river Jordan. Uh, my Bible tells me in the book of John that when Jesus prayed, the heavens opened and the dove that had left the ark of Noah descended on the son of the living God. And the Bible said the voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And John tells us something that no other gospel writer tells us. It said that when the dove rested on him, it never departed. Oh, I want to preach today about a Holy Ghost that'll get on you and will never depart. Somebody praise God in the church. If you want to find the dove, you have to look no further in the Old Testament. Uh, the Holy Ghost, you have to look no further in the Old Testament than the anointing oil. God, I wish I had time to preach this thing today. Because in the Old Testament, we were looking for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was concealed in the revelation of the anointing oil. When they made the anointing oil, there were no little vials of oil. There were no little packages of oil. Uh, no, no, no. There was only one recipe for the oil found in the book of Exodus. It was about six gallons worth of oil and they mixed it with sweet smelling calamus and they put cinnamon in the oil and they put all of the ingredients in the oil. Oh, I'm going to teach on that one day about the ingredients in the anointing oil. And when they got ready to anoint somebody, in fact, my mind takes me to 1 Kings chapter 9 about a man named Jehu who was sitting in a group of people and there sitting among his brethren, the servant of the prophet of the Lord walked in with a whole batch of oil. And he said, thus saith the Lord God sent me to anoint thee king over all of Israel. They poured that whole entire horn of oil over Jehu. Jehu walked out of that room and they looked at the man with six gallons of oil dripping off of his being and they said to him, what happened to you? He looked back 
and said in the Wallace Unauthorized Translation, what do you mean? Nothing happened to me. They said, you lie. We can see that anointing oil all over you. Uh, what I came to tell somebody is when you ever get anointed by the Holy Ghost, when the oil comes down on your life, it'll start at the crown of your head and the gravity of the grace of God will pull it down your entire life. And we're, hey, God, I feel like preaching in here on Sunday. And when you come out anointed by the oil of the Holy Ghost, you can try to act like nothing happened. You can try to pretend like you ain't different. But if you ever get the oil on your life, they'll smell you before you walk in the room. They'll hear you before you ever open your mouth. Ah, when you ever get anointed, slap somebody, tell them I believe in the anointing. You can look at me funny. You can criticize me, criticize me if you want to. But when the Holy Ghost gets on me and I get quickened, when the Holy Ghost gets on me and I get anointed, I'm telling you right now, the anointing will do for you what a phone book will do for Clark Kent. God will turn you into another man. Lord have mercy. But, but, but I need to, I need to zero in on my assignment today. Because my assignment is the revelation of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament as seen through the river of God. <laughs> and in Ezekiel 47, we have historically referenced this text and applied messianic kingdom implications to its import. And while I recognize that there are certainly messianic implications, kingdom, messianic kingdom implications to the text, I really do believe that one day the temple of God will literally flow with water from it and it will touch the Dead Sea. I believe that day is coming. But there is another layer in which this text is meant to bring us instruction and revelation, and that is this, that in Ezekiel 47, we see the temple. Look at somebody next to you and tell them, neighbor, that's me. Oh, I'm getting ready to wreck. I'm getting ready to wreck some stuff right here. I'm getting ready to wreck some stuff. We are completely comfortable with an understanding that this is the temple. We do not get nervous when we call this building the temple. But if you think this building is the temple, you missed the last 20 minutes of what I've been preaching. God was never looking for a brick and mortar building from which would flow the river of his glory. God was trying to tell us in the Old Testament, I'm going to create an outer court, inner court, and holy of holies building that would contain my glory as best it could. But when I stepped into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the veil of that temple got rent from top to bottom. Why is that important? Important. Because had it been ripped from bottom to top, they might have blamed it on Peter, James, or John. But when that veil got rent from top to bottom, could nobody reach the top but the right hand of God and the left hand of God? And when God put his hands on that 
veil. He ripped it from one end to the other. And he said, I'm tired of being locked up in a building. I'm the Boshiah. I'm getting ready to find me a new kind of temple. In, in Genesis through Malachi, I found me a temple with an outer court, an inner court, and a holy place. But in the new covenant between Matthew and Revelation, I found me a new kind of temple. It's not outer court, inner court, holy place. It's flesh, body, soul, and spirit. And if I can find one man or woman who will let me have that temple, I feel that temple with the Holy Ghost. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, God. Oh, Lord. Thank you, Holy Ghost. So the Bible says, if you're looking at Ezekiel 47 with an Old Testament lens, all you see is a building with some water coming out. But if you put on your prophetic revelatory glasses given to you by the Spirit, you see a revelation of a people who are so filled with the Holy Ghost that when the prophet came up to the door of the temple, the water was oozing out. Lord have mercy. Everywhere you see the river flow in the entire Bible, I challenge you to find one place where I'm not telling you the truth. Genesis, in the Garden of Eden, the river was flowing out. Ezekiel 47, the river was flowing out. John chapter 8, out of your belly. And in Revelation chapter, four, uh, chapter 21, out of the throne proceeded a river. What are you saying? A river doesn't just run to it. going home in a minute because I've been in revival all weekend long and you can look at me funny if you want to but I've been living long enough by now to know that a river just don't run to it oh God a river really does run through it God didn't just want to get it to you God sent it to you to get it through you Stop somebody tell them a river runs through it Oh, my Shia, I feel like something getting ready to blow up in this church on Sunday morning. I feel like some dry, hot religious somebody is getting ready to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. I feel like God is getting ready to fill somebody to overflowing. You've been dead and dried up on the inside, but I hear the Lord saying, in the last day, I'll pour out my spirit. So, every place the river flows in the Word of God, it's flowing out of the thing it flowed to. Anytime water flows into a place but doesn't come out of a place, the thing the water flows into can literally become a pond. We got some pond Pond, pond Christians, pond, 
You got green stuff growing and you got amoebas growing and you got an odor about you. Oh, I'm not talking about the forgetfulness of not putting on deodorant. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not talking about not putting a mint in your mouth. I'm talking about you look fine on the outside, but when you open your mouth, we smell. Oh, y'all not going to help nobody in here today. When you walk in the room with your arrogant self and looking like you got it all together, uh -huh, we can tell nothing been flowing out of you in a while. When you really got the Holy Ghost, people won't what's on the inside of you. Ooh, when you really got the Holy Ghost, people will walk up to you, not even know you're a preacher, and say, I can tell there's something different about your life. Will you pray for me? My mama needs prayer. What is that, Pastor? That's the river running through me. Hold on! Oh my God, I feel the power of God on me right now. So the Bible says that they came to the temple in Ezekiel 47. And watch this, the door of the temple was closed. Look at it, water was coming out under the threshold. Well, you're not supposed to have a closed door on the temple. Water was pushing, look at the, the, the pressure, don't miss this. The pressure of this river was so significant that when the river finally got to flowing, the pressure and the force of the water would actually carry it 12 miles Amen. to the Dead Sea. Huh. Now, the Bible never calls the Dead Sea the Dead Sea. It calls it other things. We call it in our modern-day uh, geography, we call it the Dead Sea, right? And the day, how many have ever been to Israel? Okay, wonderful. How many would like to go on a trip to Israel if, we, if Devin and I ever led one? My God, we got to have 12 buses for that. Jesus, we need a miracle. Hallelujah. We're going to take a trip to Israel one day. I done felt the call of God to go there, and I'm going to take some people that want to go see where Jesus walked. Well, the river had so much pressure on it uh -huh, that when the door finally got moved and the water started flowing, the pressure of it carried it 12 miles. That would be like, let me just do this. That would be like, take me a minute to get over here. That would be like if the river was behind this door and was trying to get out it would be so much force on the water that when the door got moved out of the way and the water was free to flow, it would literally flow all the way past Udawa. That's why I don't have to struggle for sermons if I stay in the Holy Ghost. Because if you stay in the Holy Ghost, you won't even know how to separate what to preach. I walk up here on some Sundays and I say, God, how am I going to do this? Because if I think about it long enough, I'll preach on praise. If I think about it long enough, I'll preach on salvation. If I think about his goodness long enough, oh, I don't need nobody to help me find a sermon. I, there's so much for anybody know what I'm talking about slap somebody tell them the force is with you the reason some people ain't got no passion is because they lost 
coming to preach. He'll give every worshiper another way to worship. He'll give every praiser another hallelujah. I don't need nobody to help me praise him when I think about the goodness of the Lord. Oh, he's done for me. My soul cries hallelujah. Thank God for saving me. I'm almost through preaching, but I'm having a good time on Sunday. Oh, Lord. So the Bible said that the water had so much pressure that it was pushing all the way to the Dead Sea. I need you to understand something about water. Water follows the fall. I'm getting ready to go somewhere right here. Oh, I've been waiting to preach this all week long. Look at somebody, tell them neighbor water follows the fall. You, you, you don't even have to help water follow the fall. It's always looking for the lowest place. I can't find no help in the room this morning. What is that pastor that makes water fall? What makes water fall is a thing called gravity. Gravity will actually get a hold of water and pull it, draw it to the lowest place. I thought I sang a song growing up that said it reaches to the highest mountain. But I'm so glad that it flows looking at me funny. I pray every one of you feel what I'm feeling right now. It flows to the lowest valley. God will take gravity. Somebody said, where is that in your Bible? A gravity called grace. Grace will pull on the river and take the river to the lowest place. I wish I could find somebody. three people and tell them, neighbor, the river of God is flowing in this house today. I feel like gravity is pulling on the river, and the river of God is flowing to the deepest place. I don't know who needs it the worst, but whoever you are, however low your life may be, the river the river was flowing, was flowing. Look at what the text said. The text said that the river flowed down to the Dead Sea. Now this is a very interesting thing because the river full of life went looking for a sea full of death. I feel the Holy Ghost on me right here. See, gravity, gravity, grace, the gravity of grace, let me explain myself. The gravity of grace just pulls the river to the dead places. You might be tempted to believe that the death in the Dead Sea would poison the life in the river. So that's why we raise up church people that are afraid of the darkness because they say things like, well, if I go out into the world, it might get a hold of me. 
Well, you got a real little Jesus if that's how you feel about it. Because the Jesus I serve was never intimidated by the darkness of the devil. Jesus didn't wait on the woman at the well to get to the temple on Sunday morning at 1030. God, I feel like taking my tie off and preaching for a minute. Jesus didn't wait on the woman at the well to get to the temple before he set her free. He actually had enough light on the inside of him that when he got to the to the well, what was in him got on her. And when it got down inside of her, he said, if you will just drink from this water, you will never thirst again. Somebody said, why are you hollering and sweating and spitting if you felt what I felt on the inside of my spirit right now? You would understand why my hair is standing up on the back of my neck and I feel like God is sitting in this room right now. I feel the Holy Ghost in this building. Some of you have had religion, but you never had the river. with this I think I'm through with this I might be through but I might preach a little longer he said he said that when the river came out the force of the river I feel the mission of every Baptist anointing he said the force of the river carried it to the Dead Sea And when it got to the Dead Sea, it reversed the chemical composition of the Dead Sea. Now, let me explain something to you briefly, if I may, about the composition of the chemical makeup of the Red Sea, the Dead Sea. It is so potent uh, with salinity and salt. It's actually, in most places, 34% salt. I did not believe this until I went to Israel with Dr. Horton for the first time in 1999. And they said to me, Wallace, you ought to get out in that Dead Sea because you can't sink. I said, oh yeah. (laughs) Y'all ain't never seen me in water. (laughs) I straight up go to the bottom of the water, right? White men can sink, right? Come on. I, I said, no, 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 you don't understand. I sink to the bottom. They said, no, 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 get out there and try. So I got out there, and I went out there knee deep, waist deep, got out there, and I kicked my feet up. And I will be. I didn't sink. Why didn't I sink? Because the chemical composition of the Dead Sea is so potent with chemicals and salt that the buoyancy is reduced and your body doesn't need as much water to hold you up. It's a weird effect, but you literally don't sink. That's how potent the chemical compounds are in the Dead Sea. It's so chemically induced that nothing, hardly anything lives. The only thing they've ever found as a source of life in the Dead Sea are microorganisms. Very small, minuscule, microscopic organisms that grow in certain parts of the Dead Sea. No fish. 
dead. For real dead. They call it the Dead Sea. It's so dead, it's the lowest spot on the entire earth. You ever go with us to Israel, I'm going to take you out there. You get out there, and when we take you out there, you're going to wonder, he don't like me. If he loved me, he wouldn't take me to this place like hell on earth. It's 114 degrees. It's hundreds of feet below sea level. It's the deadest dead you've ever felt in your life. And you've got all these people getting out of church buses, running down to the Dead Sea to jump in the Dead Sea and float. I can float in my backyard, right? This thing is dead. But when the river, to me up, Brian, when the river, oh no, when the river comes out of the temple, somebody say, I am the temple. Somebody say it like you mean to say, I am the temple. When the temple come, when the river come flowing out of the temple, the river never just flows into the temple. The river has to flow out of the temple. And when the river flows out of the temple, grace grabs the river and carries it to the lowest place it can find. And the Bible said that when the river touched the Dead Sea, that the life in the river got in the death of the Dead Sea and changed the composition of the Dead Sea. It changed it so much that dead things came back to life and fish started swimming to the to the dead. It wasn't dead anymore. I want to prophesy to you that the Dead Sea is getting ready to come back to life in this city. Some rivers are getting ready to be released in this house today. And you're getting ready to open up the door. Somebody said, where is the door? Revelation said, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door and let me come in, I will sup with him and he with me. Slap three people and tell them, neighbor, open up the door. your neighbor say neighbor let the river flow let the river flow let the river flow down Bailey Avenue let the river flow down Amdakola Highway let the river flow down 75 North and 24 East somebody holler let the river flow let the river flow to every whorehouse let the river flow to every crack house let the river flow to somebody to shout let it flow until you treat your wife right let it flow until you treat your husband right let it flow until you pay your tithes let it flow until you speak with other tongues let the river take a 20 second praise break Thank <laughs> you.
Everybody in here that needs to be baptized in the Holy Ghost and the river needs to flow in your life, lift both hands. Don't be ashamed about it. This is family today. You're not less spiritual. You're ready for a, a blessing from heaven. Lift your hands if I'm talking to you right now. Hands are up all over this building. I need my elders and my pastors to get ready to help me pray. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on, lift your hands, church, and don't, don't stop worshiping now, my God. The river's flowing. The river's flowing. The river's flowing. Some of you, you're precious and you're loved by God greatly, but you've been in religion for so long, and you didn't know that there was more. And today the Holy Ghost told me to preach this word because God is bringing you something you've never tasted before. And your spirit likes what's being poured out. I want everyone that lifted their hands because they need the baptism in the Holy Ghost. And they want the more of God to come stand with me right now. Hurry, hurry. Don't nobody pray for anybody yet. I want everyone who wants to be baptized in the Holy Ghost to come stand with me. I need people praying in the Holy Ghost all over the church right now. Come on, revival is in this room. 
Let me give one moment of instruction before we all pray. It does not matter who lays their hand on you. These people who are going to pray for you are every one of them filled with the Holy Ghost. And all they got to have is agreement with you that God's going to fill you when you ask Him. We're gently going to lay our hands on your head in just a moment. And every person praying is going to simply say this, in Jesus' name, receive you the Holy Ghost. And when we lay our hands on your head and pray that prayer simply, you're going to feel an unction. That, that's like a force, a little push. And you're going to hear some words you never heard before come through your thought pattern. Those words are not just your words. Those words are the Spirit communicating to your mind, which is the only place at this point in your life you can really receive this and what's going to happen is as you begin to say out of your mouth what you're hearing inside your spirit is coming to life God's going to fill you with the power of heaven this don't mean you're not saved already you're already saved you can't get more saved than saved this is not about getting to heaven this is about tasting heaven while you're on your way I want every person who came to this altar to hear me. There'll be a voice that tells some of you, you can't get the Holy Ghost today because you've got a little sin in your life. I'm gonna tell you right now, the Holy Ghost ain't waiting on you to get perfect before he fills you. In fact, some of you ain't gonna get rid of that little vice until you get the Holy Ghost. So we're going to pray prayers of faith. Ain't nobody going to push you in the floor. You might fall, but you don't have to fall to get the Holy Ghost. What you do have to do is open up your mouth because he will not pry your mouth open and move your tongue for you. This is not something where God possesses your tongue and moves it. This is a thing where you get so hungry for it that your faith touches the heart of God and God gives you the release to open up your mouth and say, there it is, son. There it is, daughter. You can have it right now. What's, what's his name? Jaden, come here. Come stand right here. 
Lift your hands up, young man. The Lord is about to fill you with the Holy Ghost. The Lord is about to fill you with the Holy Ghost. He's going to do it on sons and daughters and mothers and fathers. Jaden, God's getting ready to turn your life upside down, son. I see the hand of the Lord on your life. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Open up your mouth, Jaden, and pray in the Holy Ghost. Pastors, elders, help me pray for every person that's in the altar right now. Receive you the Holy Ghost. Come on, start praying all over the altar. We can't spectate. Lift your hands. Worship Jesus. Worship Jesus. Prophesy on that thing. Prophesy on the instrument. Fill this room with glory, God. Hey. Receive you the Holy Ghost. Receive you the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, he's filling people all over this room right now. Open up your mouth and receive the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Out of your belly, let rivers of living water flow. We pray in the spirit till something breaks. 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 Out of your belly, sweet lady. Out of your belly, receive the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus. 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 Receive you the Holy Ghost. Pray, church, pray. 